The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Because I got a listener who emailed me about this last week, I'll go ahead and let everybody know. The listener asked, who is that artist that plays your show's intro? And so I can just let you know, because he's definitely worth checking out. That song, the Break the Business theme, was written by an artist named Jonathan Mann, who is, in a, among other things, in addition to being an amazing artist, is the Guinness World Record holder for most consecutive days writing a song. You should check out his music, Jonathan Mann. It is fantastic. And speaking of fantastic artists that I greatly admire, let us get our co-host in here post-haste. Elisa Rockdock's joining us. Hey, Elisa. <laughs> And the kazoo. I, I love it. I want to start the proceedings off, Elisa, by making you feel good about yourself. Oh, I have some making Elisa feel good about herself news oh, that I want oh. to start the show off with. So, Don't stop, but go on. <laughs> I wanted to mention that Elisa is helping me out with a little project. So oh. I have gotten a few of my fellow music industry experts together and you know i got elisa i got a few of the break the business guests what's that no god no 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 blah already with the imposter syndrome again it's 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 a trademark but i got i got a bunch of the experts together and said hey what if we did something cool over the holidays and we uh allowed some college music students to get some mentoring sessions would you all be willing to donate an hour on a weekend to sit with some college kids on Zoom. They're going to book your time. You answer questions about the industry. They get to build some connections. No money in it for you. Just doing it out of the goodness of your heart to help some college kids. And I was shocked that so many of the experts in the Break the Business Network, our former guests, were and co-hosts were willing to help out, including Elisa hey. and some other fantastic folks. And... Here's the part that should make you feel good about yourself, Elisa. We listed all of the experts and gave little resumes about everything that they're doing and invited the college kids to book sessions with uh, whomever they wanted. And right now, the hottest commodity of our mentors, and it's not even close, Elisa Rockdock. I don't I mean, know. To be fair, I did have a chili pepper on RateMyProfessor.com. Well, so. <laughs> which which we have, of course were quick to mention in your bio i don't know if it was being a college professor i don't know if it was the tyrene calypso thing the gaming uh, industry stuff the voiceover stuff the songwriter stuff but whatever it is the college kids want to hang out and learn from you there's a bad bad joke in my head that i will not say for radio <laughs> Ah, like did did I mean? Hopefully, you didn't offer them like anything. Deb, what did you tell them? <laughs> I mean, whatever I could just grab off of uh, you know your LinkedIn page, and oh, they, you that. should feel really good. The, the whole point is you should feel good about yourself. You've done oh, some cool things wow. that, more importantly, Gen Zers think are cool, and obviously, yeah. we use them as the measuring stick by which we measure all cool things. And in that vein, our guest this week, firmly planted in that generation, we got Max Goldberg joining us in the next segment. He is the Gen Z CEO and co-founder of Hot Drop. It's a new music discovery app. And um, if I if I had you feeling good about yourself, at least I'm about to just crush you when I tell you that this is somebody who's like a decade and a half younger than you and I, already has a multi-million dollar startup that's in the Techstars Accelerator and is getting all this positive press and he's going to be like the next you know friggin you know music you know music industry like superstar person and we are just like one rung on that ladder that he's climbing up but we get to talk to him and uh you know hopefully he'll like us i hope he likes us <laughs> how 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 do you do fellow kids <laughs> 
I do, I do feel like Buscemi holding the skateboard right now. But uh, we get to we we got to chat with him a little bit before the show starts. Super knowledgeable and seems to really have his finger on the pulse of what how Gen Zers are discovering music, which is really mm. the whole basis of his of his new app. L- excited to talk to him all about that. That's going to be pretty cool. So stick around in the next segment for that. Um, Oh, somebody, uh, H2O Happy Dude writes in, as an elder millennial, I think Elisa is pretty cool, so it's not just the Zoomers. Oh, happy dude. As a fellow elder millennial, I could not agree more. Like, we've already confirmed that Elisa has locked down the elder millennial demographic. (laughs) We all think she's the bee's knees. Oh, yeah. But what I, like, you know, the the demographic that's just starting to get speckles of gray hair, we think Elisa's awesome. But what I'm saying is the young people like her, too. You know, she's 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 a multi-generational talent. What can I That's say? exactly right. <laughs> um, I was also intrigued, Elisa, by a tweet that you tweeted. Oh God, yes. I, I find more and more that basically all of my content that I get from researching this show, all my content ideas, is just looking at your Twitter feed and I get well, inspired. I mean, by it. you know, content fairies on the way. So I, you know, like I am, I am, I am your, your Huckleberry and your Tinkerbell right sprinkle, on. sprinkle all that content. Dust. Well, Lauren, if you could, could you wave that uh, Twitter magic wand and get Elisa's tweet in here so we can see what she was uh, what tweeting about uh, earlier this week. She wrote another day, another flirtation with changing my band name entirely over untangling ourselves from every other crimson on streaming services like some sort of red rat king. First yeah. of all, the imagery there, uh, <laughs> like five on the AP English test for sure. Like you I paint mean, a I picture am, with I words. A, <laughs> I am a social media professional available for hire, folks. I've workshopped that tweet several times. <laughs> so t- tell me about what's going on here with your band name. What do you What are you thinking? What are you worried about? Okay, so like for a brief backstory, my name is for short. It's way longer than this, but my name is Elisa Melendez, right? And when I started music, I was a, I envisioned myself as a solo artist with a backing band, you know, like Pat Benatar, Avril Lavigne, you know, like a rock, alt rock singer song, Pink, you know, alt rock singer songwriter. I think the Gen Zers like Paramore now. I think Paramore is the one you want to go with. Paramore's having a moment. It's already a band name, right? Uh, So I was like, I want to be a solo artist with a backing band. I don't necessarily want to be a, band um and because i couldn't accompany myself i needed help um and i quickly found that people could a not pronounce elisa or melendez much less both of those things fitting on the flyer together and spelled correctly none of these things ever happened and also i ran into issues where i feel like people saw elisa melendez um, you know, and would see, oh, solo singer, songwriter. And they thought that I would show up with just like an acoustic guitar. No, I showed up with a full backing band with like metal and harmonized guitars and wailing and stuff and really loud drummers. And they were like, oh, this feels incongruent. So I'm like, all right. And we don't have enough outlets. <laughs> uh, so I was like, all right, clearly name's probably going to be an issue. The The idea of solo name with a full band is like an issue, like a, 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 a cognitive dissonance i guess um so i was like well let's let's make a band let's make it a band name um call it something you know and then i kind of like literally went through like the deep blue something naming convention where like they there was like oh we should call ourselves deep blue something okay we'll just go with deep blue something so i was (laughs) like uh you know well well my hair's red you know that's kind of like a signature thing so maybe it'll be like red something what are some other words for red and then you know kind of went down the line I'm like, okay, Vermillion's already a Slipknot song I like, so that's not going to be it. Um, I was like, all right, Crimson. All right, Crimson sounds cool. All right, we'll go with that. I like Crimson. I like Crimson as the color. Um, King Crimson, not related. I I didn't think that was going to be a problem. Cut to now. Um, And this was back in the era, you know, where we were producing CDs. This is before even like streaming services were a thing. So I'm here now in 2022 trying to like get a handle on 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 the business of my music because art is a business and we are breaking it on this show. So I'm trying to manage my own stuff, going to a streaming artist page so that when someone looks up Crimson, my Crimson, they could see my album art and my three or four songs that I already have up there on streaming services. The problem is, is that now when you go to look at Crimson, it's us. 
but it's also literally every other band or artist from around the globe that has called themselves Crimson. So now I can't trust any of my band listener stats. I can't like share, you know, like a clean artist page with people. Um, like it, it's to the point where I have to like send people a playlist that I made of our album just so that they could just get crimson. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had to make separate playlists. So it's, it sucks because um, I have the option on Apple music to say, Hey, these people aren't correctly on my artist page. Um, but then I feel like an ass because I don't want to like, it feels like I'm kicking people off, but like, you're also crimson and you're fine. Like, why do I have any, you know, like legal sway over the name crimson, which, which, you know, made me think, man, I wish I knew like some sort of like a lawyer or like somebody <laughs> who like knew about like trademarks or like copyright or something. So Ryan, please help me untangle this red rat king for me. <laughs> Again, love the imagery. And what you're talking about is something that a lot of artists are confronting. Like, I actually giggled a little when I saw your tweet, only because not one hour before I saw your tweet, I was actually having a conversation with a prospective client on this exact issue. Uh, now, this was a client who had, was just kind of starting her band and said, we our band really likes this name. But when I look on Bandcamp, I see that other bands have this. And when I look on Spotify, I see that, you know, there's a couple of artists who are putting stuff out under this name. But when I go to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website and search there, I don't see any band names. So, I mean, first of all, moi, chef's kiss at the person actually knew what the Patent and Trademark Office website was. That was, <laughs> you know, a woman after my own heart there. But um, yeah, but she's like, what gives? Like, if it's not in, if, if the government doesn't see it as a trademark, does that mean like I can use it? Does that mean I can stop other people from using it? Should I change my name now? Like if, if other people are doing it, like what, what do I do? What gives? And what's crazy about this? And, and this is, I feel very bad for this generation of musician because 20 years ago, this wasn't as big of a problem. Because the rule is, if, if a trademark's not registered, which most band names don't register your trademark, public service announcement, if you're a band, look into registering your trademark. Um, but most bands don't register their trademarks because they don't know how to do it. They don't know what a trademark is. They don't want to pay a lawyer, whatever. And when, when you don't register your trademark, that doesn't mean you don't have a trademark. You have a trademark from the moment you start using your mark in association with your business. The moment you print your band name on, on a drum and play a live show, the moment you make CDs with your band's name on it, boom, you have a trademark. What matters is that how far it extends geographically. And the rule is, if you are only operating, if you don't have a registered trademark, then you only get the trademark rights to whatever geographic area you're operating in. So if you're a South Florida band, <laughs> arguably all cool. you have is South Florida. Now, 20 years ago, this system worked fine because we didn't have digital distribution. We didn't have social media. So there could be a Crimson in South Florida and be a Crimson in Los Angeles. And they're both doing their separate things and never the two shall meet. And so they could each be working under that name and have their trademark rights in their geographic areas. And there's no problem. You could go your whole career and not even know that other Crimson exists. But now we live in the area of social media of digital distribution, of Spotify, of Bandcamp, where basically every band almost immediately has national worldwide reach. So you instantaneously become aware of every band that has ever or currently carries the name Crimson. Yes. And, it, and so it's a much bigger problem now than it was 20 years ago. And I sympathize with the bands of today. And so what I tell bands when they're starting out is really put in the work to search for a name that can truly belong to you. And obviously yes. the first place to look is the patent and trademark office database, right? You, uh, you know, you can go to, it's called the trademark electronic search system. You can search in either class nine, which is uh, music phono records or class 41 entertainment services. You want to check them both and make sure that nobody's registered the trademark. Cause if they register the trademark, they have nationwide coverage and you don't want to deal with that. But that's not the end of your search. Oh. Once you have done that, now you have to do the 
far more uh, difficult, but also in a way far more uh, accessible search of Google Foo. Uh, <laughs> Google the name, check Bandcamp, check Spotify, check Apple Music, check uh, you know SoundCloud, any place where ban- Reverb Nation, bands in town, wherever bands congregate, and make sure that nobody's out there using your name. Now, if somebody's using your name, does that does that mean like you're you're shit out of luck and you can't use the name either? Well, my recommendation in most cases is don't even go down that road. Like the earlier that you can eventually, sw- you know, like the earlier you catch this and can switch out your name, ultimately the better off that you are because if your goal is to try to achieve monumental success with that name, the last thing that you want is getting to the top of the mountain and some other enterprising band that has not reached the top of the mountain says, hey, we use that name first um, and we have it on uh, Spotify. So we had it all over the country and now they start fighting you for your name. And lest you think that this doesn't happen, look up Lady Antebellum yeah. and Lady A, where Lady Antebellum almost lost their band name, Lady A, I should say, almost lost yeah. their band name and their trademark to somebody, uh, to a blues singer from the Pacific Northwest who wasn't nearly as famous as Lady A, but and but but also called herself Lady A, but had the name longer. And again, 20 years ago, this wouldn't have been a problem, or maybe 30 years ago. Today, it's a problem, and you know it's something you want to check in on early as possible. Yes, I, I see a hand up from the co-host. Yes, hi, 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 Professor Carella. Um, could <laughs> I um, ask, uh, hypothetically, what if your music has already been used in, say, I don't know, three uh, video games under your band name? Um, are you... Uh, are you screwed? I'll take my I'll take my answer off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Well, I mean, your band name's interesting, you know. right? Is it safe to say that you're the most famous crimson going right now? Probably not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I'm thinking, you know, you, you got out, it, you got an but... album out. You've again, you've had your music placed in multiple video games. Um, yeah. you know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it sucks because it, it's it's that sort of like you know it's it's it, it's the same sort of consideration that a lot of folks think about you know when 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 changing uh, their name post nuptials um, if they have academic work published under the old name. I'm kind of like I could you know I'm writing some new music that's kind of in my Carly Rae jetpack era. Um, you know, like this could be a time for reinvention, but like sunk cost fallacy babes like i've done so much <laughs> with crimson as crimson and it's literally in a video game three video games as crimson i'm like what 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 <laughs> what do i do generally my recommendation is always to err on the side of caution with this um, you know, aim for trying to avoid liability. Uh, and and I, I told this to the prospective client as sort of a general idea that you don't ever want to get in a position where you could possibly be sued because mm-hmm. if you've been sued, you already lost because yeah. paying litigators is not fun. The bad PR of being in a lawsuit isn't fun. And so avoiding it on the front end by sort of being very cautious and making sure that nobody else has got your name to the greatest extent possible um is tends to be a better way to go and if you take care of it now before you get famous then the costs become less costly in terms of what it means to your career give you a great Mm -hmm. example a band that i really dug when i was a college radio dj back when i was uh max goldberg our guest in the next segment's (laughs) age there was this really cool college radio duo named astaire it was this brother sister duo that had some amazing indie pop music and this they, they put out an EP, it blew up, got all over the college radio charts, and it was, you know, they finally broke and they were so, so happy. And then they get a letter from the estate of drumroll, drumroll, Fred Astaire. Fred yes. Astaire, no. And you know, and they said, Yeah, you can't use that name. And you know, the question you could ask is, but come on, Ryan, like nobody's gonna confuse the 2002 indie pop band with the guy who danced with Ginger Rogers. So couldn't they fight this? And the answer is it doesn't matter because they were, you know, they were an indie pop group. They weren't going to take on 
a what I assume is a very well moneyed estate uh, for the right to use this name. And so they had to change their name to Blonde Fire, which is a cool name too. But they wound up changing it like but but they but they had changed it right when they just broke and they had enough fans who were just like, wait, who the hell's Blonde Fire? Like you're a stare. And that kind of made some of their fans upset. So mm. the extent to which you can get the name stuff sorted out before you get that break is gonna make your uh make yourself happy or, or make yourself better off in the long run. Uh, pretty cool question Ooh. here from mm. uh, uh, from one of our uh, listeners here. H2O Happy Dude writes, what would happen if every other band, what would happen to every other band if Elisa was to get the name trademark? And how would it work now with the geographical region rule? That's mm. a great question. And uh, I can I can answer this for you. So um, what happens is if you register a trademark, as we said before, you get nationwide coverage. If your mark is unregistered, you're only getting the geographic area in which you're using that mark. But a if you have an unregistered mark before somebody else registers the same mark, then the registered mark gets the whole country except for the geographic area where the unregistered mark operates. Hmm. So you could actually have a situation where, um, let's say there's a crimson that was crimson before you were crimson and they're just in Alaska mm -hmm. and, and then you register the mark since you came later, you get the other 49 States is, is the simplest <laughs> way to put it. But again, in this new era where basically you're using a mark nationwide right away by just putting it on Spotify and maybe you're, you know, playing live streams all over the country or all over the world. Um, that distinction kind of shifts a little bit and it makes it all the more important to make sure you have a brand that's uniquely yours and to register it as soon as you can. Aha. And 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 a quick question, just in terms of like, do, we, do you have any insight on the way that artist pages work on these streaming services where like I I have allegedly, you know, with with the help of of a digital distribution services such as uh, TuneCore and DistroKid, um, I've they have a an easy way for you to like squat on an artist page and like mm -hmm. i technically have a spotify artist page technically have an apple music artist page with a whole bunch of other people on it so i'm kind of like if i you know do the work of like you know kicking other folks off the crimson thing one that feels untoward <laughs> because also it's a color y'all like like is pantone gonna come for me like like is <laughs> You know, like like there are multiple bands named after just a color. Like how it feels well, indefensible. I, I think wanting. I think you should aim towards having an artist page that doesn't have other people's music on it. Right. Yeah. That's 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 a problem, right? And so if if you have to have uh, used Spotify to kick some of those artists off your mountain, that's worth exploring. If that can't be done. For whatever reason, that might be all the more reason to make you reevaluate whether you want to stay with this brand. Um, if if it's that hard to separate your music from other people's music on the platform. Uh, uh, another <laughs> color, damn it! Okay. I mean, Red Rat King was cool. I mean, Rouge. if we were to, I mean, like I'm I'm looking at the tweet here and just you know, Red Rat it's King. That, red you know, Red Rat King. Like that, the un untangling the Red Rat King is going to be the debut album of whatever the heck my band is now, apparently. <laughs> so look out for that one. Well, perhaps this is uh, apropos, but the next thing I want to talk to you about is Rolling <laughs> Stone's article that they put out of the worst decisions in music history. Seamless segue. Um, Do not name yourself. That's, that's the wrong clip, but that's okay. I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, so yeah. Oh. The yeah, Rolling Stone put out a list. I I love slash hate slash love Rolling Stone's lists, and you know I they're 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 my favorite hate read because I always look at them and there's like always like oh you why why is that thing there and like these five things are not there this list of like the ten the the fifty best sitcoms of all time yeah. or the one hundred best uh, love songs of all time not a good list. Mm -mm. And but they put out one of the the 50 worst decisions in music history. And a lot of these I can't quibble with. These were pretty bad decisions made in the music business. Um, number one, Rolling Stones hiring Hell's Angels to be the security at Altamont. I was literally about to say Altamont. <laughs> there you I was go. Literally about to say that. <laughs> uh, 
Number two, Jerry Lee Lewis marrying his underage cousin. Yeah. Uh, how about number eight, Ja Rule investing in the Fire Festival? Ooh. And some of these are more creative than business. Uh, number 40 is Britney Spears turning down the song Umbrella. Ooh. Yeah. That's a that's a big one. And 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 like, yeah, there's a few on this list that I was like, okay, how is that not there? For example, like allowing Lou Pearlman within a thousand miles of, of the music of, industry. Of, of literally anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bad decision. Or how about record labels around 2000, around when our, our guest Max Goldberg was born, not uh, pivoting towards downloadable music when yeah. everything in the music industry was saying, hey, we should really let people have a way to buy music legally online. And they said, no, CDs, pay $29 for this album. Oh, and then the, and the industry fell apart. That's number one as far as I'm concerned. But <laughs> I, I want to speak to you, somebody who literally holds a degree in you know, uh, music and pop culture, actually technically multiple degrees. Um, where do you, where do you stand on some of these? Like, what do you think are some of the worst decisions in music history? Oh, it's, it's like, so, so the, the, I mean, Aldemont is, is very huge. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing, oof, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Ashley Simpson. Yeah, that's on the list. On SNL, <laughs> which is like, oof. Um, I, I sort of scrolled through super quick and I, and I did see like um a one one kind of weird sort of grammy award the one that sticks out in my mind as a as a teenage metallicat um is is the is 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 the thorn in our side uh, the chip on our shoulder that that uh, all metallica fans are supposed to adopt which is the awarding of the i believe first best metal uh award um to the one jethro tull um <laughs> instead of metallica who i believe had either just released it was either for and justice for all or for something off the black album uh which either way both incredibly iconic albums and uh metallica not being considered um uh, worthy of the first uh, ever best metal Grammy was uh, was kind of a big one. Yeah, you'll you'll actually be pleased uh, to know, Elisa, that um, you you know a, a former Break the Business guest that you and I interviewed, Mike Ryan Ruiz, who we know yes. very well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, his album "The Big Game" did not get a Grammy nomination. Oh, that's for where is that on the list? Best musical theater album. Yeah, definitely one of the worst decisions. But you'll be happy to know that when the announcement was made, I messaged Mike Ryan Ruiz and said. Worst Grammy injustice since Jethro Tull. That's right. And he, That's hearted, right. he hearted my comment. <laughs> Amen. That is so, so accurate. That yeah. is so good. So um, how about so, how about this yeah. one? Okay. In terms Ooh, of industry okay. injustices. And I almost feel bad about this one because it kind of turned out well for him and it wasn't really what he wanted to do with his life. But how about Eric Stefani quitting oh. No Doubt right when Tragic Kingdom came out? I mean, I know it's mean because like he wanted to be an animator and he did some great work with the Simpsons and things like that. But like all those years, like just clanging and banging with no doubt, like trying to get their big break. And then right when it finally happens, he quits like right before the biggest album that changes their career. One of the biggest albums of the decade comes out. That is such a tough. pity because because so much of our favorite songs on that album between me and Evan both are the ones that are the most piano centric. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of iconic. I mean, I'm not saying that return of Saturn was a bad album, but <laughs> is not that iconic. I mean, yeah. woof. I mean, I'd, like some, some would argue that like, that like Eric Stefani was kind of a, a very crucial, important piece of the band that is, that is sadly, um, well, I mean, I mean, hey, you know, if you're if you're finding your calling elsewhere, who am I to say? That's you know? right. And in the end, like we are a celebration. This show is a celebration of artists following their passions, following yes. their dreams and finding fulfillment in the work that they do. And Absolutely. if music wasn't doing it for him and animation was like, who are we to judge? But it's Tragic Kingdom. It's Tragic Kingdom. That's one of the greatest albums of all. It sold a bajillion copies. It's so, so good. That is that is no skips, man. That's oh no skips. God, not a skip no, to be found. Not a single skip. All right, with the couple minutes we have left, Elisa, your thoughts on the new Mario Brothers trailer? 
Um, Jack Black as Bowser is absolute fire and is going to be one of the main reasons, if not the only reason, uh, that I go see this film. Um, I am excited about Charlie Day as Luigi. I think he's bringing something really cool to the character. This is me bringing my, you know, expert voice actress opinion. Um, and, um, and gowns, beautiful gowns. And the, the, the visuals seem great it seems like they are pulling from a lot of uh, franchise history for this one and i believe that there are going to be fans um and and easter eggs in abundance um and that is, um also i i i gotta think that the themed menu at the alamo draft house is going to be unbelievable i might have um, to go to a place with an alamo draft house just to experience this yeah um um and um, that is, uh, all of the opinion that I have on that movie. Um, I, I stand one parentheses, one plumber. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't do it for you when like Chris Pratt just goes, gives go. you the let's a go. Let's. <laughs> Why a is go. every character in this movie let's at go. least trying to do something like the character Except for Chris Pratt, who's like, I am Chris MF and Pratt, and you get what you pay for. You know, Jack Black, he's he's doing a little bit of a Bowser voice. Charlie Day's giving you a little Luigi. Not Chris Pratt. He can't be bothered. King Let's Michael a go. Key. King Michael Key. But Toad. Like, yeah. like, oh, really? I'm like a fan of this Toad. And Anya Taylor-Joy really bringing in his peach. I'm actually kind of really excited to hear her peach. And that's it. <laughs> And, and and that's it. That was the that was the Mario movie minute, y'all. There you go. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We got Max Goldberg of Hot Drop joining us next. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Look, people, on one hand, all right, follow your dreams. If what you want to be is an animator, if you want to work on The Simpsons, like, bless you, all right, Find, follow your smile. On the other hand, I just looked it up. No. Tragic Kingdom has sold 24.3 million track equivalent albums. Is he listed as a songwriter on it? I want to say he's still listed as a songwriter. Yes, he was actually sort of nominated for Grammy Awards for songwriting because he wrote the songs on that album. Like, but, So, I mean, he's still getting a check, right? I mean, no, I mean, I'm sure he's doing, I'm sure he's doing fabulous. I I'm not crying for Eric Stefani, but but 24.3 track equivalent million track equivalent albums, people. That's uh, like That's the Gen Zers don't understand. Okay, like 
<laughs> Albums used to sell that many copies. They don't do that no more. Like, like Taylor Swift sells a million records. We hold her a ticker tape parade. Back in the 90s, your album sold a million copies. Like they dropped you from your label. <laughs> like they That's rode funny. you out of talent on a rail. They tarred and feathered you it's if you sad. only went one time platinum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Just, just oh. the one time? It's, it's, a, it's a different Gosh. time back then. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Carell here with Elisa Rock Doc. Thank you for checking us out wherever you're checking us out, whether it's on podcasting platforms, live streaming platforms, or Sirius XM 145. Wherever it is, we are happy to have you, and we're happy to be chatting with our guest right now. He is the CEO and co-founder of the new social music discovery app, Hoddrop. The app got over 25,000 users within its first month of launch last year and was recently selected to the prestigious Techstars Accelerator program. The app is available on iOS, and you can find out more about our guest work by visiting www.hotdropapp.com. We are happy to welcome Max Goldberg on to Break the Business. Hi, Max. Hey, Ryan, Lisa. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having happy, me. Happy to have you here. Thrilled to be chatting with you. At, at first glance, we just got to say, good Lord, you're young. Just look at you. Like, so, so much ahead of you. We're, we're just, it, it's fantastic. I, I love what lies ahead. You are the Gen Up Z. Up to and including C- back pain. Oh, yeah. No, it's coming. It's coming soon to a, to a lower back near you, Max Goldberg. Just wait. Yeah. You are the Gen Z CEO and co-founder of Hot Drop. That is so, so cool. And it occurs to me as a Gen Zer that all of the terrible music decisions that Elisa and I were referencing mm. Altamont uh Eric yeah. Stefani <laughs> uh what, what was the other one? Oh yeah like oh the the labels not uh, converting to downloading in time maybe all of that stuff thing. predates you <laughs> you weren't born with any of those things happen so I want to get your perspective as the Gen Zer as as the as the child of this millennium what do you see as some of the worst mm. decisions in the history of music? Maybe you can actually give us one yeah. like from a year with a two in front of it. <laughs> well, well, I'm flattered. Um, I turned 21 actually this summer and now getting ID'd oh. again when I go out. So I feel, I feel young again. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, hearing some of the worst decisions that you've mentioned, you know, certainly uh, a few of them have gone over my head, but you know, most recently, I, I think that the reliance and obsession over streaming being a reliable source of income, um, I, I think it's it's generally uh, been a bad path for artists. I think the industry ha- has suffered largely to an extent as a result. And, and I think that the future transitioning to a, from a bad decision to a better one is to really focus on, you know, unlocking creator like monetization for artists, their brands. They're not just uh, people who create music anymore. Um, and I, I know you've mentioned, you know, several topics related to that on, on your podcast. And uh, it's, it's great. Right on. Um, and uh, I think that's a great seg to talk about hot drop and kind of the solution you're trying to create to uh, cultivate music discovery for this new generation of musicians and music lovers. But since you talked about this idea of the industry over relying on certain platforms, Mm. it reminds me of an article that came out in Billboard this week. I think, Lauren, you can pull this up now for us um, about TikTok and basically how the, the, the headline is, is the music industry's love affair with TikTok dead? And basically what the article talks about is how the music industry and record labels have been trying to basically use TikTok as their sole means of promoting artists where they are trying to just throw money at it. Like it's an A&R or independent promoter, like it's payola. And Oh, if we can just make an artist go viral on the platform, then we can make a hit and we don't have to do any of the other promotional things that we would expect labels to do so much. How it is being suggested by you that labels are over relying on streaming. Do you think labels have the wrong relationship with TikTok right now? It's a great question uh, and something I consider frequently. I, I don't necessarily think it's the wrong relationship. I think they're playing with the cards they were dealt. Mm. And if you're looking at active discovery, right, lean in, it's happening on short form platforms like TikTok. Um, and I think that some of the other larger tech companies have tried to replicate their success they've had with music 
um, and TikTok has undeniably changed the way uh, people discover music. I think that unfortunately, TikTok is a social media. And when you're an artist, it's already vicious and competitive. So now you're going stacked up against uh, competitors in a thousand, maybe infinite, uh, you know, niches and genres of content. So it makes sense to me that I think they've they've overdone it a bit and and might now uh, be seeing some of the difficulties at, at scale. I think that's about right. And and, and we've talked in the past, uh, Max, uh, at least, and I have had conversations about how artists are often on the wrong side of like the labels kind of relying mm, too hard on TikTok gosh. where you're, you're seeing artists say my label won't let me release an album until I make something go viral on TikTok as if that's something that I can just like make happen by flipping a light switch and there are artists who get albums delayed months and years because they can never make that viral moment happen yeah it's it's really hard to say what goes into we like to call it engineering a viral moment Mm -hmm. um, and I think that a lot of the the industry and the options for artists and labels have been largely pay to play, as you mentioned before. Um, and those tactics don't apply now, uh, or not as much. And and I think that that's you know a reality of not only the, the platform of TikTok and how it's designed. It's fast, so what's in today is out tomorrow. Um, but I think that TikTok, because it's not a music platform um, and still caters largely towards the, the mainstream artists, um, if you do happen to, you know, capture a viral moment uh, and, and, and capture the attention of this audience, how are you converting them to go and listen to all your music, right? What is that in the moment impulsive decision that's going to get them to follow you and, and really track your success and growth stories and artist, and and i don't think they've quite cracked that yet and i would and imagine that that's something that you're really trying to make happen with hot drop here right that is an as an app and a platform that is focused on you know a, a more solely music discovery focus uh catering to a younger generation of fans and i totally interrupted elisa there oh, did no. you have a question for him before <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. I, um, I was um i was going to say that also like when it comes to any sort of social media app, they do not want you leaving. Um, right. So therefore people will um, active. I've seen artists actively complain about any videos that they make saying, go to my band camp, go to my SoundCloud, actively getting suppressed because TikTok doesn't want you clicking out. So maybe if there was a way that all of that could be just nestled in just one happy place. I don't know. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I think that's a great point and definitely aligned with our team's thinking. We have all these tools like Linktree for creators, right? Directing them every which way. Um, there's really a lack of not just consolidation, but a platform that's the hub for discovery and, and binging, frankly, of music and, and new artists. So for us, we're obsessed with using a 30 second snippet, not to get ahead of myself, <laughs> almost as a top of the funnel tactic. The song is not just the end result anymore. It's what can be used to actually mm. attract a fan base and interact with artists beyond just the song. So we have all these platforms to do, you know, a number of different things related to, to music and, and the experience. For us, we want to capture the ecosystem of those indie artists, but also the diehard super fans uh, who are so important for your success as an artist at this point, right in the moment and really, you know, harness that the power of that community. All right. So talk us to uh, talk to us a little bit about how, how hot drop does that. I mean, there are certainly plenty of platforms out there where I can discover music, right? Mm -hmm. I discover artists all the time on Spotify, on Instagram, on YouTube, on TikTok. What does hot hot drop do differently? Yeah, and it's a great question. And I think that largely points to the, the generational shift in music consumption. And you had mentioned before, you know, listening to albums or maybe even the radio. And as a Gen Z, and, and, and I feel a little bit bad saying this, no one's doing that anymore. Um, you know, you're on social media for, for sometimes hours on end in a day. And it's really about capturing your attention and then going down that rabbit hole. So for us, we speak to so many artists at this point who 
you know, are not getting discovered on, on DSPs, right? 90% of artists, and it's actually more than that, you know, have zero plays on the music they've released. So we have a discovery problem. And if we look at where Gen Z is discovering music, or I guess isn't, you know, you mentioned Spotify recommendations, less than 10% of the listening time on Spotify is from one of their curated playlists. Ooh. They're coming from friends and they're coming from search. So for us, most Gen Z's aren't really using these platforms for discovery. They're going to listen to the music they already want to listen to. So for us, creating an experience where it was really fast and easy to see music that was going viral on your campus and share songs with two taps with a friend, that we thought would really create viral moments and, and increase that opportunity from our artists and you know after the release of of our mvp when we were at indiana we were undergrads um you know we saw some pretty rapid success with that model i'd love to hear the story about how that got started because yeah, I mean, this is a app that's all about or at least got its roots from circulating and sharing music and discovering music on a college campus and your app was born on a college campus Take us to your junior and senior year at Indiana University, working with your co-founder and building this app while being a college student. Yeah, and it was only about, it's less than two years ago now, but it, it really feels like at least five or so um, since we started this. We've learned so much. My, my co-founder, Steven Siegel, um, we actually grew up together outside of Boston, Massachusetts. So the story starts in sixth grade Spanish class, actually. Um, we were not listening. All of our friends were playing these casual gaming apps, you know, catch app, the, the one clickers. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, all of our friends are using these. They're mindless. Why don't we go and try to create our own? So using YouTube, other, you know, resources that were available, they're all free taught myself how to code over the course of, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade, um, released several games with Steven, uh, crashed and burned. That space is, is wicked. Uh, it's very hard to compete. <laughs> Come 10th grade, released it in an app uh, that allowed people to connect to Wi-Fi networks, scanning a QR code before Apple had the share Wi-Fi password functionality. Wow. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, really a spur of the moment idea. Um, but I was fortunate enough to scale and sell that business. And that's when I was absolutely hooked in the app space. Um, so, so going to college, uh, Stephen and I, by chance, or maybe not ended up at, at Indiana together as finance students, you know, seeing how music plays such a role on campuses, we saw that and heard that people weren't just listening to the Drakes and Post Malones. Mm -hmm. There's almost this ownership and competitiveness that's associated with finding that next star. You want to be the one who shares it. And and the Spotify rap culture that, that's also mm -hmm. released right now, you know, it definitely emphasizes that. So we knew that people wanted to discover a lot of music. They're doing that, um, but they're doing it primarily through word of mouth. It's just sharing with friends. So we like to call that dorm room discovery. And we wanted to put that on the internet. And we knew that the rise of TikTok was just going like, to catalyze this, this short form audio. Um, so we created an app that we thought would be a really fun and, and social way to find music. And, and really, the rest has been uh, an incredible learning experience. Elisa, what were you doing as a junior in college? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what or who? Um, I, <laughs> ah, I'm trying to think. Gosh, um, I was I was uh, I was I was probably one class away from minoring in religious studies and earth sciences <laughs> and getting <laughs> tattooed every other week. <laughs> well, uh, in a way, Max, school's kind of still in session for you because you know, you, you know, you, you launch Hot Drop, you graduate from college and now you are in the Techstars Accelerator program and for the. For the folks who don't know, this is a really prestigious program. Techstars, I believe, is the largest 
business accelerator in the world. This is a group of venture capitalists that invested in Hot Drop and are now having uh, his company go through a 13-week program where they get to work on their product, get to iterate, and then at the end, they get to do a demo day in, in front of a group of investors and um, potentially could really uh, help this business grow and scale. What an amazing achievement for, for you at such a young age uh, to get your company here. Congratulations. What's that experience like being in Techstars? I, I appreciate it. And and Techstars has been unbelievable. Um, we actually got into Techstars this past summer. Um, both Steven and I were working uh, Hot Drop and at an investment bank. I, I was, we were both doing M&A in industrial tech and tech. Uh, just to make sure we had some money set aside to really go out and pursue the venture, but learned a lot there as well. When we got in, you know, we were super stoked. Certainly the Techstars brand carries a lot of weight, um, but we knew we were finally going to get to, and I, and I hate to bash the, the university. I, I loved Indiana, but really some practical education, you know, learning how to interact with with VCs, other entrepreneurs, and and really understand what a market wants that's what we've always wanted to do. And I've taken my my natural science courses, Lisa, as well, like I, evolution of the earth, dinosaurs. And I'm like, I could sit here and spend the money or try to make it you know, big in, in a space that I love. So uh, I, I would encourage any entrepreneur of any age that to, to you know, pursue the accelerator route if it makes sense. And uh, it truly accelerates both the good uh, and the bad. But I think that's a good thing. Oh, so you can find out because you're in that very intense, you know, environment where you're mm. constantly getting evaluated and, and getting an opportunity to work on your business. You can allow your good ideas to thrive, but you get to find out pretty quickly what your bad ideas are and you can root oh, them out yeah. fast. Yeah, we have we have so many bad ideas and, and the product's still really early stage. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a process called mentor magic or, or mentor madness um, where you're talking to. 60 or so mentors, you know, that, that have either sold businesses or, or experienced operators or, or investors. And you're just almost split testing in real time, your elevator pitch, how you describe your business. So you're burnt out at the end for sure, but you come away and you're like, oh my God, you know, I just learned more about my company and how to position it in, in this, you know, week span of time than I had in, in the past three months. So it really is a great opportunity to get connected and test things. I would imagine there's a, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was, I was actually kind of getting kind of like a, a little bit excited about hot drop because one of, one of my things that I believe is, is sort of important as a social media manager, but also as, as someone who is a musician in the space is like, people can sniff out, you know, inauthentic, like industry yeah. plant type folks or whatever. Um, but I'm definitely interested in, you know, not just presenting my music, but also presenting the person behind the music and like, you right. know, the process and everything. So like as an artist, how do I get on hot drop? And like, what, what kinds of stuff can I share with my community there in addition to just, you know, the music? Yeah. So if you go to our website, you know, it's www.hotdropapp.com. Um, there'll be two buttons. One, if you're a listener or a fan and you want to go find music, that'll take you to the app store. Uh, and then the other is if you're an artist, now that'll take you to our tool. It's currently hundred percent free. Um, and, and will be for, for quite some time where artists have this hub where you can store your music. So you're not using your notes app. You're not using Google drive or Dropbox, which weren't really meant for music anyways, right? You're going to upload your music there. You have full control over not only the genres you tag your music to, like a distributor, uh, but we're releasing features to target certain audiences on campuses. So having Ooh. more control over who sees your music. Um, so you can have your, your audio there, right? It can sit in an unpublished state, so you can release it when you're actually comfortable. Uh, but we encourage artists to release more music and more frequently as well. So we're really creating this tool that's a hub to reach our audience, which is 95% Gen Z, right? 13 to 22 year olds. And then you're going to get back like social discovery data. So you'll get the information, likes, listens, listening time. Mm. But what we're releasing are more of how your song's being shared. So instead of just seeing, you know, 50% of your fans are female, we're going to show you that 
these, you know, 18 year old females from UCLA, this is how they're sharing their songs. And this is how it's spreading between networks. So you're not mm. sitting here thinking, okay, well, I have all this surgeon in volume. Who are these people? Now you mm. can actually see the fans and have a way to engage with them. That's so, a great way to plan a tour too. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, we're getting we're getting a ton of interest from you know some of the larger entertainment companies and music companies for for live ticketing because they're constantly trying to release uh, release uh, and gather you know garner the attention from college students. But to be honest with you, none of the platforms are really doing a good enough job. Right on. Look, I I am in you know we we've sort of been goofing with you a, a, a lot because we're just in awe of like how much you've accomplished at such a young age but you know to like let's be real here like this is really impressive and um I think it's so cool what you're doing and I can't wait to see this uh platform continue to grow and if you can create a effective music discovery tool at scale for independent creators, you will have a special place in this program's heart for sure. Our guest has been Max Goldberg. He is the CEO and co-founder of the new social music discovery app, Hot Drop. Max, before we let you go, one last question. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, such a good question. And I was excited for this one as well. Um, I, I, I think it really playing on what I mentioned before, that artists and releasing music is a lot like being a startup in, in an accelerator. And I think that artists who really want to, you know, take their, their career to the next level, certainly there's luck involved, but we all know that it's a lot of testing and a lot of putting stuff out there and, and trying to uh, silence the imposter syndrome that, that so many artists tell us about. So I think that releasing more tracks faster and actually listening to the feedback and trying to understand can I build a hundred super fans? Can I start to monetize other content? Um, but really using the release of songs as your way into this, this Gen Z audience. So just, it's a numbers game, release more, uh, and be open to feedback as well. Great insight, Max. Don't be a stranger. All right. Like I, I'm sure you're going to have lots of radio shows and podcasts to continue to talk to as this platform continues to grow. Don't forget about us here at Break the Business. We'd love to have you on again real soon to, to just to allow us to keep tabs on all the cool stuff you're doing. Thank you so much. It's been great. And uh, we'll definitely look to come back. That'd be awesome. Right on. Great. That's Max Goldberg, everybody, from Hot Drop. Very, very cool platform. Uh, I mean, just... Uh. What what are what are we doing with our lives? No, I like I'm, I'm I'm just I'm 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 withering. I am I'm I'm crumbling into dust. I'm 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 I am desiccated. I feel at, like that Matt point. Damon gif of like him getting oh, just like aging. aging. Just, <laughs> just, oh, it's it is it's tremendous, and I I love that the the younger generation is seems to be hell bent on fixing all the mistakes that the generation uh, generations above us have made in making the music industry such a hellscape. And so, you know, and, and the child shall lead what, what, you know, uh, what you so <laughs> let me, uh, with the, with the couple minutes we have left, uh, Max did talk about these year end, uh, yes! Spotify playlists or whatever. And before we were, we came on this week, you and I were sharing our year end Apple music replays and, Yes. Uh, you were the one who told me that, that this was something you could do with Apple Music. I yeah. I have done it with my profile and it's like the saddest, funniest thing in the world because it's all like break the business artists and Aww. Eurovision and the Dan Lebitard big game album. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, my what, what, what's interesting is like considering, you know, using using Spotify or not, not Spotify, using TikTok as a discovery tool. My top album played is a Juno by Remy Wolf. And Remy Wolf was an artist that I discovered purely because, you know, a 30 second snippet of her song, you know, people started doing a trend to it. But like the whole album is an absolute banger. So, yeah, it's it's um, I am uh, also. Yes, my, my my top song was also a TikTok song. Oh, I have so many TikToks. I have I have two on my on my top five most played lists that came directly from TikTok. 
But so like I, I give I give you my top ten list. I'm not gonna tell you who the artists are because some of these are downright embarrassing. But it's TikTok song, Eurovision, break the business artist, break the business artist, TikTok, TikTok, Eurovision, Eurovision, Billie Eilish, Broadway hey. musical. <laughs> you know, like my uh the the Dan Lebetard show uh big game original musical uh score. Um is is number four on my top five uh most played albums hell yeah um a beat only by the weekend and beyonce and remy wolf so <laughs> you know I, I i have held them in pretty high esteem i'm, I'm sure happy. mike ryan ruiz would be honored to be part of that company um, and and uh beat kim petrus's slut pop so like you know <laughs> that's, you that's a tall order that's a tall order there you go yeah our thanks to Max <laughs> Goldberg for joining us. Thanks to producer Lauren for keeping the show moving. My thanks to you, Elisa. This is always a treat. Naturally, we get so into the conversations we're having. I don't get to yeah. any of the stories I've researched because we're no, just having bad. such a good it's, time. A and that's problem. the way it should be. I'm a menace. <laughs> and thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for checking out Break the Business. We will see you next week. Bye. Break.